Yo, what is up, guys? Welcome back to Tag Team, the Pokemon trading card games from your podcasting duo. My name is Riley Holbert, joined as always by my good friend, Mr. JW Crewall, and joined by special guest today, Mr. Andrew Mahone. How's it going, guys? Hey, pretty good, Riley. I'm big chillin'. Big chillin'. I'm still, still getting used to the time change, getting back <laughs> from Japan. I think we all are, but... Yeah. Uh, you know, happy to be back. I missed some things, but feeling good for sure. Yeah, I was like, you know, I was ready to be home to a certain extent, but also 14 hours. I'm in central time. So 14 for me is a lot to handle, especially it felt like it felt like when I got there, like getting into Japan time was totally chill because I was just so excited to be there and really hyped to go out and explore the city and see friends and things like this. And then when I get home, I'm like sleeping in the middle of the day. I'm going to bed at like 8 p.m. Yeah. Barely. I woke up through. at I woke up at 5 a.m. last night and ate an entire bag of cheesy poofs. Okay. <laughs> like there's nothing is going normal right now. Yeah. I, <laughs> yeah. I'm eating full breakfast. I never eat breakfast. I'm eating full breakfast. They yeah, say that breakfast or like when you eat is actually really important for resetting your circadian rhythm. So that actually maybe is good for you. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, it's been brutal out here. I woke up at 2 a.m. on Tuesday and it's so tough because Jimmy, you landed a few days earlier, I think. But Andrew yeah. and I got back yeah. on Sunday and I yeah. had to go to work on Monday and there's like a big conference. So like I have oh to gosh. take a bus to work instead of parking normally. <laughs> so I woke oh. up super early. It's just, it's brutal, man. <laughs> yeah, I made it back. Let's see. I made it back Sunday in the morning. And then I took Monday off preeminently. See, I, so because we had the conference, <laughs> I had to go through like a second layer of approval to take Monday off. And I decided it wasn't worth it. <laughs> but I think in hindsight, it was worth it. Should have done it. Yeah, the content never sleeps, so I had to be back on that grind set on Monday. Two weeks off is already a massive break. That in, is, yeah, for like in streaming. content sphere, that's like an eternity. So you're you're irrelevant now. Yeah, that's well, there's always that. <laughs> <laughs> well, we got plenty to talk about, I'm sure, with that. Uh, you know, worlds now in the rearview mirror. For those of you who are uninformed, uh, we all got to participate in the World Championship. And Andrew actually had quite a quite a good run at the World Championship, so we'll be sure to talk about that today, and and also some of our just general experiences in Japan. So Andrew, why don't you kick us off by revealing our World Championship deck choice? Maridon EX, baby. <laughs> now, if you had told me a month ago that Maridon EX was our play for Worlds, I would have probably laughed <laughs> you know right on the deck that gets a lot of flack online uh but obviously like all of us were sold on it you know our entire friend group had played right on at the world championship so i think first and foremost let's sort of set the stage for how we arrived at Maridon as our choice you know andrew and jw you know however y'all want to tee it up but like how did we get from mid ride on to our boy ride on I think it was a little while coming, even like looking at, you know, my YouTube channel, I, and my streams, I, I started kind of toying around with Maridon a little bit. I want to say right around NAIC, I even made a YouTube video where I was like, Maridon EX is amazing, not mid, you know. <laughs> and this is definitely the best not way mid. to play not it. Right, right. <laughs> you know, and I was kind of like tooling around like that. Let's see. That was oh yeah, that was three months ago. Oh wow. Uh, I was I was like kind of at least getting Maridon curious. curious. With, yeah, Maridon with the curious. new build of Maridon that was like playing Flappy, right? Because yeah. I kind of wrote off just the generator and Reggie Lucky V Max version of Maridon like pretty early. This version stinks. If you just don't hate your generators, you're just not winning a single game. This is <laughs> disgusting, right? So, kind of was getting into the Flaffy version at least like a few months ago. And then just from like playing around on stream, I 
I had like one day where I was playing it without paths and it just wasn't going very well. And I was like, this deck stinks for sure. And then I decided to try it like one more day. And I went on a little bit of a win streak with Maridon path. And I was like, that felt really good. And it was cool. And I, I kind of, I felt something there. So then I was like, oh, well, I want to take it to a cup. So then I took it to a cup, uh, probably a couple weeks before we left for Japan. It was Barbenheimer weekend, right? <laughs> and up until this point, I had been kind of like into it, but I don't think any of the rest of us were really kind of like seriously talking about Maridon at that Definitely point, not right? Me. I had been having some pretty extensive conversations with Jesse about Maridon. We, okay, we had been talking. Yeah, because I had a, I mean, I had a list at that point. It, you okay. Know, cooking. So <laughs> it was, it was on the radar. I, I don't think it was a first choice. You know, yeah. I would have said something Giratina, something Guardi, um, but it was certainly on the radar. And yeah, I, I do remember, I remember that one testing day. This was before the cup where we were all getting together in the Discord to chat and play games. And me and JW kind of had this like this moment together where we were both like, you know, I'm kind of Maridon curious. And I think like we had that mm -hmm. moment together in yeah. the cord, you know, and both of us agreed that we were at least Maridon curious. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, because you think about the matchups that it takes, right? It's like it had for what we were expecting and granted what we actually hit at the tournament. We'll talk about this a little later, but what we actually hit at the tournament is not necessarily what we kind of expected to see, but what we were expecting, the, um, you know, particularly the Arceus decks, um, Maridon just was destroying. And Arceus was a deck that I think early on in our world's testing, we were like, Arceus is probably like that deck that's just going to show up, right? It won EUIC, it won Worlds last year, it could have won NAIC this year, and it was poised again to potentially win Worlds again this year. And we were like, dang, this is crazy. Like, Arceus just is that deck. People are going to fall back on it. It's Old Faithful. It's such a deck that, like, comes up and shows up when it's game time to win big events, right? So, like, we mm -hmm. definitely wanted to, like, have a good Arceus matchup. And Maridon, if nothing else, was giving us that. So that <laughs> felt good. Yeah, definitely. I think... Arceus was really that that factor for me, you know, the the favorable matchup there. And when you think about it, even just on paper, you know, without even playing any games, that Maridon matchup totally makes sense, right? You're knocking out Arceus Vs. They can't even knock you out in return with Trinity Nova. It's just miserable for an Arceus player. Uh, and that was really appealing to me. The the thing that made me anxious, you know, just in pure theory mon was going to be the Guardi and the, and the Lost Zone. And I think that's where the path really started to formulate, right? And that's how we ultimately landed on that decision. You know, come game time, GW, I know you were cooking hard. I was trying to cook <laughs> yeah, really maybe, hard. Maybe a little too hard, some might argue, you know, trekking shoes and beach courts and everything. Uh, but I think really just the, the fact that path in of itself can slow down decks enough where like your early game tempo is enough to outspeed them it really impressed me in those final days of testing. Well, and that was the thing is like the path you don't think about as being particularly harmful against the lost box decks or like against lost box Giratina. Right. But it's that marginal gain of being able to fill up your board, get a turn one or turn two attack and slam the path and prevent them from drawing with, I mean, really just getting out the extra couple of cards every yeah. turn from the, from the Greninja. Um, and just over the course of a game, we were just finding that that actually really matters. Yeah. And that's worth it to play path. And you can, you know, trade pretty well into that deck if you can deny them their combos uh, through path. There's so Grand many Show. little things that, you know, path would just keep kind of showing up, especially uh, your opponent's not necessarily expecting you to play it either. So you could get cheeky game one wins by just slamming it and then your opponent's like ah ooh, <laughs> you know, <laughs> yeah didn't really see that coming you know uh against decks like bax caliber where maybe they're planning on using luminian and then they just can't uh against decks like lugia where they're planning on using luminian and then oh well yeah they can't do that either <laughs> so you know it, it makes all these little marginal gains um you know kind of the surprise factor of it 
and just the kind of brutality of that you're like setting up attacking turn one or turn two and ability locking um you know and then just like being aggressive with four seal stone you know getting the bosses that you want taking out the targets that you want putting charms on your guys making them just that much bigger so that they're just like really annoying for decks to take out well we were kind of joking about because i originally when i was cooking the week before i was like oh experience share has got to be the play because you get to keep all your energy in play after <laughs> your a knockout deck <laughs> but then you know it kind of dawned on me that well what if we just made all our v's and ex's like baby v stars right you give them 250 hp or you give them 270 hp and now all of a sudden instead of trying to conserve the energy via experience share you're conserving the energy because they can't knock you out because the gap between 220 and 280 is kind of this no man's land right yeah. you have decks that can hit 280 or decks that can hit 220 and not a lot that can hit that because really like why are you trying you don't to hit need 250 to. Right. yeah yeah exactly exactly <laughs> to what end right? right so the only card that does 250 is dragonite that's it like dragonite <laughs> yeah. that's the only guy and you can you can lay waste to that thing like you don't mind trading one you know two for two with that all day so, so for, for uh for so for listeners that are out there i'm um, just again like a general overview of the list we had two raikou uh three maridon two raichu great card fantastic card all weekend um obviously and then two two flaffy played a squawkabilly very important the zero aura and the zero aura yes zero i so found good. a clip i found a clip of myself pulling up the zero aura on stream and telling chat to kick me in the shins if i play that card at worlds because <laughs> <laughs> i was like this thing stinks but really just the free retreat <laughs> <laughs> that's just the best part about the card. I use this attack actually a couple times. <laughs> but, but I agree. Like for your tree, being able to search out for your treat with your uh ability tandem unit and just have it on your board for the rest of the game is so nice. Especially when you don't have beach court, right? You're playing the path. So mm -hmm. like that access makes your flappy so much better, makes your generator so much more live. Just such a good card, honestly. Totally necessary if you're not playing the beach courts. I mean, it's like 100%. If you're playing the grindier path version, you need that little flexibility to be able to pivot, you know, easily to swing new attackers into the active spot. So uh, I definitely was 100% on the Zeraora by the end. It was, uh, it was incredibly good. So Barbenheimer weekend, I took the deck to a cup. I made it to the finals and scooped to my opponent's with uh, a Duralodon, like an Arceus Duralodon deck, which I would have felt pretty good against, but I was fine to scoop because I wanted to go see Barbenheimer. <laughs> so at that point, like a few weeks out, I was like 100%. I was like, Baridon's the deck. It is the deck. <laughs> but then leading up to like the flight to Yokohama, uh, I started to have a little bit of cold feet and I was like really leaning on Guardi EX was my, you know, second pick. But I know that you guys weren't really uh keen at least riley was like really kind of like anti-guardy from my you know kind of conversations with you and at the at the very end i feel like riley's kind of just like no nah, let's just let, let's just play maridon definitely helped to direct the whole ship because i was having cold feet and i was like 50 50 between the two decks for a little while yeah i mean part of the reason i leaned that way is right on path to me felt a lot like like a big basic scarb type of deck, you know? The only other deck that can attack turn one realistically is like Mew, right? But it's attacking with like a Meloetta turn one. So you take that knockout and then they take a knockout. And like now the onus is on you to like keep keep going right after that. But with Maridon, you have this bigger person, you know, bigger Pokemon in the active, the uh, charmed up like Raikou or Maridon. And you're locking down their abilities. You got basic Pokemon attackers. You're attacking turn one. Like that to me is just such a good combination of traits. You look over the course of the history of the card game, and that is consistently a good strategy. Attacking with large two prize or large like two prize or one prize, and even further back in history, basic Pokemon uh, who attack for like easily achievable energy costs. And so, like when I thought about it in that lens, it seemed obvious to me that like Maridon was a solid deck. All said and done. It yeah. reminded me a lot of like the Buzzgarb Carbink. Style yeah, I, I think a lot like Buzzgarb Carbink or like, you know, like the 
Darkrai, Garbodor, like those decks that are just getting in there yeah. early on and locking down abilities. With like a fat basic, like the fattest, <laughs> like putting yeah. Fury Bell on your gigantic dude, <laughs> yep. and then you'll set up ability lock and you just got this fatty swing. Exactly. Like that. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. So. Yep. But yeah. it wasn't without its fault. So we yeah. knew going into the tournament that we were going to have a hard time. Because if you think about Maridon on the kind of like the the speed list, like the list of, of decks in terms of how fast they are, how fast they can attack, um, it's towards the higher end, but it's not at the high end. So we knew kind of any deck that could go faster was probably going to cause us issues. So these are things like Turbo Lost Box. We kind of assumed, and we had played some matches like, okay, that's... We're just going to kind of forego that matchup just because it didn't really do particularly well at NAIC. And then, of course, Mew EX. We were not thinking that that would be played um, in or Mew, Mew VMAX, that we were not thinking that that would be played in particularly high numbers. Obviously, that was a big miss on our parts. Um, it was. But just it was we, very correct we, in, in day one, to be fair. It was very correct. Yeah, maybe into day one. And, and it almost felt like, well, if we had played Maridon for naic that was maybe the metagame that it would have you know we all would have done extremely well it was still a good call i'll, I'll uh you know contend that it was still very uh, strong for worlds but we go into the format thinking or into the tournament thinking okay anything slower than us the arceus decks the lost and giratina decks um you know the the slew of other like chin pow anything that gets attacking later than us we're probably going to be favored anything that gets attacking faster than us is going to be a hard matchup yeah so jm and i did drown in pools in, in day one in the end uh, i hit two mu v maxes and one uh turbo lost box that also played a zapdos v <laughs> so <laughs> my run ended in in uh, round seven out of eight uh yeah. jw i think you also hit several mews uh, i well i hit uh, yeah i hit one mew uh which was actually the opponent andrew that you played i think the last round of day two Ooh, that you ended oh, up wow. tying. Uh, yes. and then I, I believe i believe and then i played drumroll a ting lu <laughs> which... yeah that's right lewis <laughs> it was you know there you have ways to win right like path is pretty good against them early if you can stick it but it just like was a combination of like pretty mid hands and also playing of against a fighting attacker that you can't one shot yeah very easily so I, you know i, I you, threw up my hands on that one i feel you man yeah. i was feeling terrible because i lost round one and round two i played rapid strike or <laughs> but i i ended up winning that game so. no. <laughs> yeah jesse did pretty well with the deck uh he made it to back-to-back winning ends uh so he's 5-1 yeah. and for a little while i know all of us were like jesse's gonna be the one <laughs> and then <laughs> didn't yeah. work out <laughs> unfortunate but uh in order to make it into day two you have to earn 18 match points so i think that like that's another it's another big reason why we fell on maridon instead of decks like gardevoir because with eight rounds you need 18 match points and in order to do that that means you need six wins or an exact 503 record and, and yeah. most people are not playing for the 503 record it's very dangerous to do so so Almost everybody's going for a record of six wins with whatever else happening in the other two rounds. So Maridon was a deck that could give you decisive wins or losses, unlike Gardevoir, which is more prone to tie, or a deck like Turbo Lost Box, or even Mew VMAX can tie just because the turns take like, you know, five to six minutes each, which is kind of insane yeah. uh, because there are that many game actions. But Maridon was a deck where playing my turns sometimes my turn be over in like 20 seconds and <laughs> yeah for that real. just ruled it was like you draw your card uh, attach flaffy attack your go that's it yep <laughs> <laughs> Tons there was something really beautiful even. about that <laughs> yeah there was something really nice about that where the most exciting thing you do on your turn is like maybe you fleet foot <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah maybe Maybe, maybe. <laughs> if passed out, you ain't even doing that. <laughs> I, I wouldn't overstate. I wouldn't overstate the simplicity of the deck, though. Um, it was a good call. I feel like you know, yes, it's fast. Yes, there might not be um, a ton of game actions, but it's no different in my mind than a deck like Arceus, uh, oh, where oh, yeah, you know, yeah. it's like you're just attach, attach, and you have to do it right. 
listen yes. our fundamentals right. it felt like a great fundamentals deck like you're you're just kind of like doing the right things in the right order playing well sequencing well getting out the right guys at the right time you know choosing the right targets with boss and when to boss it's just like it's a really good fundamentals and if you got your fundamentals down pat which like us three like yeah we've been playing pokemon forever like that's not a question right it felt really cool to be able to play a deck like that that wasn't arceus my goodness because yeah. i just mm -hmm. yeah uh arceus is is you know like that in its simplicity but then like sometimes slower and then like you miss the one thing on turn one you're like i didn't open an energy <laughs> you know yeah. and that just stinks the last so talk i'll give to the deck oh, before uh we hand it off to andrew to talk about day two is um no VIP pass and like the auto setup nature of the deck mm -hmm. was a huge yep. selling point to me, you know, reducing yep. the amount of RNG that you have to go through over the tournament yeah. was insane. So with that stage set, you know, Maridon being our play with Path to the Peak, uh, Andrew made it into day two with six wins. And tell us a little bit about your story. Yeah. So uh, I win round one. Felt great about that. Um, and I just don't my first round of the tournament. I donk alone B doof. I don't even know what my opponent's playing. And I just said boot B doof pass. I'm just like boom, boom. I didn't even have to play a supporter. I just had generator. That's you know, sick. I just had generator in my hand. Generator to Raikou retreat. Boom. And then that <laughs> oh was it. Gosh. So like, I was like, dude, this is my tournament, baby. We're <laughs> doing it. I'm at Worlds. I'm on the other side of the planet, and I'm playing Maridon. Here we go. So. And there was this nervousness in our group about doing poorly because, like, if we had played a deck that was respected, like Gardevoir or anything else, and then did poorly, well, it's like, well, at least we played, like, a well-respected deck, right? But if we all chose Maridon and we all sucked it up with Maridon, then, like, we all look like buffoons, right? We just look like, like the <laughs> yeah. biggest, like, idiots, you know, it, you flew all the way to the other side of the world to spend all your whole invite on Maridon, you moron, right? <laughs> and, yeah. And there definitely was that sense of it. Um, I I lose round two, and uh, I, I'm like, you know, I play against an Urshifu. The deck wasn't really doing anything that it needed to do, but I win the next three. So I'm 4-1, and I feel very... Uh, very confident again. I was able to beat a Lost Tina deck, beat a Gardevoir deck. Things are just clicking. You know, I still haven't seen any of those Arceus or Lugia decks that I'm like wanting to see because apparently those were two of like the biggest decks day one. Yeah. Uh, where were they? Big Lugia. Yeah. Where were they? Uh huh. <laughs> I don't know. I didn't see one. We didn't see them. No, we did not. Uh, so I'm like, I'm I'm beating up on things. You know, like like caliber and and a lost Tina Gardevoir and it's like okay those are residual matchups that I'm like pretty solid on but not my bread and butter you know let's get me into some bread and butter for like my my final few rounds right I only need to, I just need to win two out of my final three and then I play against Muvi Max and I lose I get I just get whomped right it's <laughs> like every time I put a path down they had the counter just felt bad doesn't feel good and that scared me uh, a lot because yeah. I was like, dang, dude, you know, I was hearing Mew horror stories from you guys as well. Yeah. And then to experience it myself, I was like, oh, we messed <laughs> up, man. <laughs> yeah. We really messed up. You know, we weren't we weren't expecting Mew because Mew was just like in our testing was losing to like some of the decks that did really well at NAIC. Right. But like the meta had like evolved one step further than I think that we were expecting. Yeah, I think uh, especially on day two. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. If I remember right, Mew is the second most popular deck in day two, if yes. not the most popular. Yeah. So. So then going into my final two rounds of day one, I have to win them both. I'm four and two. Um, Ethan Heggy comes up to me and is like, Mahone, who in the world convinced you to play Maridon for the world championships? And I'm like, I did, bro. <laughs> My whole group's playing this deck and it's broken. Right. <laughs> and so like uh so that but that was kind of like the that was like the 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 feels, you know, that people had about the deck at the tournament. Uh Jesse has a great story about playing against Pramawat and Pramawat was saying he's like, Oh, I've played against a bunch of people that are just trying to have fun, not really taking the tournament too seriously. He's like, I had this round one opponent who played Maridon. He clearly was just, you know, really happy to be there. <laughs> he was trying to have a good time, you know. And then Jesse flips over Maridon and Jesse's like, Oh, well, I guess I've just tried to have a good time too. And then he, 
proceeds to beat Pramalot, which is like so <laughs> epic, right? Because yeah. Pram would go on to finish top four at <laughs> the world. So uh, and to like go and beat him after that comment is like so epic, right? Uh, <laughs> so I need two wins. I'm praying for good matchups and I hit Eric Smith of uh, Rare Candy uh, YouTube playing Arcana. This is a funny story, too. Yeah. Right? First Arceus deck of the uh, of the tournament, and I'm, like, loving it. So uh, he also was like, oh, you know, because he, round one, he is, like, diagonal for me. And he's like, Mahone, why in the world are you playing Maridon at the World Championships? <laughs> and I'm like, because the deck is broken. The haters you know? are out there. They were. And then... <laughs> And then he's like looking, he does like a quick up and down glance of like the round one tables. And he's like, I'm not going to lie. You have pretty good matchups against everything I see here in, in like my field of view. And I'm like, of course I do, you know? <laughs> so, uh, so then I proceed to beat Eric Smith was just like really gratifying, especially after round one where he's like, why in the world are you playing that deck? <laughs> um, and then, uh, and then my final round, my winning in today too, I play against Arceus uh, Giratina as well. So back-to-back Artinas, that's one of the matchups that we really wanted yeah. to see. Yep. And when yep. it was game time and I needed to see my good matchups and I hadn't seen any of them all day, I hit back-to-back Arceus decks to, uh, to help me go 6-2 and into day two. So that's exactly what I needed. And uh, it was a huge relief. I hadn't grinded into day two of the world championships. And this is the last time any of us will it's have such a scuff in. system. It's such it a scuff system, man. It's so <laughs> really scuffed. Really It's so scuffed. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? It, in all of our careers playing worlds, none of us have ever competed for a direct day two invite because you have to have an exorbitant amount of free time and money that you don't care about in order to do so. And that's just yeah. not something that any three of us like really and, do. And arguably <laughs> compromised morals. <laughs> and and, arguably, and maybe a, an army of child testers you know a whole like bunch a, of things going on i'll play testers so we never competed for a day two invite so of all the years that we competed what i grinded into day two in 2015 riley's grinded into day two and got like at least twice have you riley 2018 and 19 yeah yeah, and then JW did last year, right? Mm-hmm. And then had you any other year, JW? Uh, no. Yeah. So. No. Yeah, between the three of us, we've. <laughs> <laughs> I take that down for sure. <laughs> and uh, so JW, what did you? What did you? How'd you do last year, JW? It was top sixty-four. Uh, yeah, top sixty-four. Top sixty-four, and then Riley's got a top sixty-four and a top thirty-two, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and. So, I mean, up until this world's between the three of us over from like what 2015 on, was that all of like JW? Was that what was your first world's JW? Yeah, 20, 2015, I think. Yeah, yeah. So, from like 2015 on, Boston. we had only, yeah, Boston, we had only grinded into world, <laughs> grinded into day two of worlds three times. <laughs> Four, four times four, four times yeah four times yeah it, well, it doesn't feel great <laughs> it really doesn't so it's a huge relief to be fair, i wasn't there in 2015 16 or 17 <laughs> no riley was definitely the one who was showing up the world okay in our group i mean yeah, yeah you, it's, you just a, it's, a, it's just it's just like any other but it's hard it's, right? it, it's really hard, hard. yeah it's really hard i mean I, obviously right it's a tournament filled with people who got their invite <laughs> so. yeah yeah and it's uh it's obvious, you know, and we, and I'm sure we'll have time to talk about the scuffed system eventually. That's like for another cast, but the system's gone now. There's no more auto day two qualifiers. There's no more grinding through day one and getting sweaty for a six and two record. And for the last one, I did it. So I was, I was thrilled to be able to get, you know, punch my ticket into day two. Uh, I start off day two, two zero. Uh, I beat a Bax caliber round one. I beat Aiden Coos, who's a top 16 player from the U.S., with Turbo Loss Box 2-0 round two. And I had not played against a Turbo Loss Box yet, so I didn't really know what to expect. But uh, what happened was it, he, he was usually just going, like, turn one attack with Cramorant. He wasn't getting mm-hmm. any turn one Dragonites mm-hmm. or anything like that. So, like, with a turn one attack with Cramorant, you just feed them a ride on EX, you switch card it, and then you put it out of range of both Cramorant and Sableye, and you just kind yeah. of put on early pressure with Raikou. They have and then to judge them. 
Right. They have to Dragonite the Raikou. They Dragonite the Raikou. You Raichu the Dragonite, right? And that's yeah. after you've taken like a couple of prizes with Raikou already because he's just out there hamming, you know, from turn one onwards. And then in order to answer the Raichu, they pretty much have to go Raikou, their own Raikou, right? Because like that's like their other guy. And then you can knock out the Raikou, Iono, and it's like they're not really like they're never really able to, if you just kind of like play smart, then um you're not they're never really able to like uh Matthew out with Sableye or anything like that. The way you can really get into deep water is if you have like a slower start and they have a pop-off start, then like that's gonna yeah. be it's the pop-off starts, or if they're like streaming the two prizers, then they can like trade really with well. Yeah, yeah. I can see how the Zapdos, like if they're able to just go like Dragonite, Zapdos, Raikou, then you're like you're having a bad time. You know? <laughs> Tell me about um, it. <laughs> yeah if they like do it like that um uh, but aiden was never you know things like hand disruption and path were like working wonders against aiden and uh and i was able to 2-0 that matchup so feeling really good uh starting off 2-0 um day two and then i play against mu v max again and i lose again and it felt really bad uh my deck wasn't working things weren't like clicking i wasn't getting fast attacks when I need them, the paths were not sticking. Mm-hmm. And you know, even like turn one path, it's just I know. like how, I know, how do you have a turn one path counter with Meloetta attack? Like how do you have all Dude, of that? It's a combination of cards to have. <laughs> <laughs> that happened to me without them using their seal stone, man. <laughs> How do you have all that? <laughs> what world is this? Oh god. <laughs> I know. I know. And the worst part is like some of those combos hinge on like a cram flip and they get it and you're like oh. always. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> so I lose another uh real grindy one to Mew, and at this point I'm oh two against Mew and feeling really bad about it. Uh I'm like I'm like, we messed up. This is like the, you know, this is the thing that we messed up about this world's run is that we just didn't account for Mew. Mm-hmm. Uh, two of my losses, like I'm feeling fantastic against everything that I sit across from, except for this deck, yeah. which we're mm-hmm. playing way too much of, right? Yeah. Yep. Uh, it was just this like un, uh, this unquantified thing in our in our risk assessment going into worlds. It wasn't uh, calibrated correctly. So that was like a huge at this point with a second Mew loss, like I'm really feeling it. Uh, I'm really feeling pretty bad about the situation. Like this is going to jeopardize the entire world run uh, with a deck that I'm otherwise extremely confident with. And then I play against Tord, bro. And it's like, I'm not trying to like when I'm already feeling bad, like I'm not trying to get paired up against Tord Reklev, okay, with Gardevoir. <laughs> but I'm like, all right, let's go. I'm going to be smacking toward i'm gonna get like the turn one attacks i'm gonna get the nutter butters the path's gonna stick it's gonna be crazy and sure enough my deck bricks twice i do nothing i think i was leading like raichu v in one of my games with no maridon to like uh get my bench going i had both games i used turn one generator to a uh mareep okay both <laughs> yeah. games yeah like like i'm generator and i hit two energy Down both bad. games like that Down played- bad. But, but like that was the vibe all right yeah. we're generating to marie so both games i did that and i still brought both games down to the final prize card i have a chance to win uh in game one i i know toward pass out i take a knockout with electro ball on on flaff with flaffy oh which is like so sick because i'm knocking out a damaged mew from celebrations because he doesn't have the path oh, counter yeah. yeah and uh and i'm promoting single prize pokemon he needs exactly off an Iono to two, and he's got two refinements. He needs exactly his final stadium and boss to win the game. And off his first refinement, he like brings the cards up to his face and is like, <gasps> and like shows them to me. And it's freaking boss collapsed. And I'm, ah! and it's... <laughs> so, uh, you know, game two is like very similar where I just need the game winning boss and I'm just like reaching for it and I don't, I don't have it. So both games came down to like final turns and I felt good about them. Like I definitely could have, and my deck wasn't even working well. And I still almost beat him both games. And he admitted that the deck, uh, the Maridon was, was really cool with all the paths and it made the matchup a lot harder and he was really sweating. So, so that was cool, but not cool. Cause I'm two, two now. And right. pretty much my top eight hopes are dashed. I'm like really, you know, feeling bad. Um, but I rally, I win my next three. 
I beat another Gardevoir directly after losing to Tord. So at this point, I'm 2-1 against Gardevoir on the weekend. So I'm feeling really good about that again. I play against a Mew VMAX. So this is crazy. My four, like the four middle rounds are two Mew VMAXs I mean, and two Gardevoirs. I, I beat the Mew VMAX. Thank God. My paths just stick <laughs> for once. They're all sticking and my opponent's <laughs> not doing squat, right? And I'm finally able to just run him over. So that's uh you know that that felt really good because at least now i'm one and two against right. mu v max uh play against another turbo law zone deck i 2-0 that as well Jeez. so yeah i'm like beast mode against turbo law zone, and that's like the difference maker because i needed to like make up ground somewhere yeah we yeah. weren't expecting to have like a good turbo law zone matchup but we also weren't expecting to play against all these mu v maxes so like if these losses had been to turbo law zone then like you know I'm I'm shut out, right? Yeah, there's yeah. there's nothing happening here. So being able to like flip the turbo loss on matchup and actually get two wins out of the two that I played against in day two, that was like the difference maker for my run. <laughs> and then my final round, I'm like, all right, I if I win, I have a shot at top eight because there's there's gonna be one ish six and two that bubbles into top eight. Uh, but I'm guaranteed top sixteen if I win. Um guaranteed top thirty-two if I tie. And I'm guaranteed pretty much nothing if I lose. Uh, because there's only gonna be one uh five and three that like one like I think one five and three that gets top thirty-two. So this is a big match, right? Like a really freaking big match. And I'm like, please, please give me an Arceus deck, please <laughs> give me a Lugia deck, please give me Baxcalibur, anything, anything. I've been in matchup hell here, okay? Just like <laughs> playing the stinkiest decks that I don't want to play against pretty much the entire tournament. The only breath of fresh air I had was those two Arceus decks that I played against in my final two rounds of day one. Everything else has just been like a total grind fest. And yep. sure enough, I play against Mew VMAX again. And I'm like, this is, I, I guess, this is exactly how it was supposed to go, isn't it? So I'm going to freaking lose my final round to Mew VMAX and it's going to, all this is going to be for naught. I am winning game one. And I'm like right there, and I'm I'm like, dang, this is it. It's happening. I'm gonna win. And sure enough, my opponent Roxanne's me to two and paths me. Well, Pat's already out, but he does he paths me uh, with his own path and just goes knockout, knockout game. So he's like four prizes over the course of uh, like you know two turns to just to make a, a right. screeching comeback win. Well, all I need mm -hmm. is like a boss for a game, right? And I don't have it, so. He comes back with like a devastating, you know, comeback play in game one. Game two, I'm just getting, I'm getting routed. I'm getting destroyed. It's not going well. I'm like, pack it in. This is it. I am able to take like a knockout. My opponent gets the turn one Meloetta knockout. I knock out Meloetta to take one prize. My opponent takes another two prize knockout to go to two prizes remaining. Oh, and yeah, like, what am I going to do, man? <laughs> uh, I'm like, this is it. I'm getting destroyed here, man. Like, I, and my board <laughs> is like very medium at best, you know? Yeah. Uh, and I don't have the Iono or Path in my hand to like even think about making a comeback play. And my opponent Ionos me on the turn before they go to two prizes remaining and they Iono me into my last Iono and path. And I'm like, holy smokes, I can do it. So then, you know, <laughs> I, I double dynamo I hit a generator, I Iono, I path, and I knock out their guy with Raichu V. Let's and I'm like, go. hold on tight, baby, hold on tight. <laughs> my opponent doesn't draw anything off the Iono and I have boss for game and I take five prizes in two turns <laughs> to make it an insane comeback win with Iono path. So we both have hand disruption path is like our win cons in game one, game two. And then game three, I look over my shoulder. The clock has eight minutes left on the clock for game three. And my opponent was not playing fast this set. Mm -hmm. And I, mm -hmm. I even told him to hurry up once because he was doing the thing where like yep. you're looking at the cards, you're laying them down on the table, and you're trying to decide Classic. which combination of three cards to ultra ball away. You know, JW made a TikTok about this once for different types of players. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he was the classic overthinker. And I'm already not excited to be playing against Mew VMAX, so I'm pretty much not gonna say anything because I a tie I am fine with because it guarantees me top 32. So I like look over my shoulder. I see eight minutes and he's going first. He takes his first turn. By the end of his first turn, there's only four minutes left on the clock. So I'm like, okay, whatever. And I get a turn one attack. 
and my turn doesn't take that long. But by the time that he's done with his next turn, he knocks out my Raikou, which is my turn one attacker. I've got no energy on board, and I look over my shoulder, and time has run out. So time is called before I'm even able to draw my card for turn, wow. and my opponent realizes what he has done, right? Yeah. Because he Just wasted his faster. own time. Yeah. He had eight minutes, bro. You had eight minutes to not do this. <laughs> and this is exactly where you put yourself, right? So he's turned zero. Because I don't draw my card before the before the clock struck zero. So he's turned zero. So I have one more turn. I have two more turns to play. He's got one more turn to play because it's plus three after 50 minutes. And I'm just like, cool. I put two Charm of Courages on my Maridons on, in play. I do nothing and pass. He can't take four prizes in one turn. Right. But then he he like takes a knockout and then I pass and that's it. Sign the slip. He is like really devastated. He's like pulling his hair out. He's like, I, you know, I would have had it. I would have had it. It was right there, you know. But didn't matter, bro. That's it. Time Sign the slip. Tie. The factor, you know. Sign the slip. Tie it up. Top thirty-two. That's a one thousand five hundred dollar diff. I don't care, <laughs> you know. Uh, that's a that's a world's bag diff. That's a yep, world's yep. promo diff. That's, that's a world's right. hat diff. That's another. World more championship than more than fifteen hundred limitless yeah. page diff. That's a <laughs> limitless page diff. Like I, sheesh, you think I care, bro? Like yeah, I'll take that tie all day, every day, man. I was not trying to play against Mu V Max again. So ending one, two, and one against Mu V Max felt like very par for the course for how our yeah. deck was built to. Yeah, like no drape. But you sneak no a win in. You sneak a win with path, and then yeah. And it's crazy to body the rest of the time. <laughs> it's crazy to hit that many though. I, I mean, it was a lot. Given, a lot. given, yeah. I mean, just given the percentage. I think the craziest like, was just how much we hit in day one. Like in day two, I think yeah. it's very reasonable to have hit several. But uh, so I guess you know, twenty first place, amazing finish. You know, getting the getting the bag, get, literally and figuratively, <laughs> getting the hat. So true. <laughs> uh, you know, that's all awesome. The world's bag every year is so sick. Like the top thirty two bag. They really yes. always nail it with that. They do. Um, you know, looking ahead, or not so much ahead as like in City and Flames, but in hindsight, rather, um, I'm curious, like, if we could all share, like, how we might have changed the deck, if at all. I think my personal take is I would swap the Arvin for a Spear Tomb uh, to sort of lock down that Mew matchup. The Arvin was not really doing much. <laughs> Felt kind of like a meme. I don't know if you all feel similarly well, or differently. Well, initially, w when I had been testing the deck before Worlds, it was the Arvin was fairly useful if you also played Luminion. Correct. Yeah, because and I agree with that you could go. Yeah, no, 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 totally. So I'm not saying that, you know, that we were kind of all in that same... Why it was there. there. But... Yeah. Right, exactly. <laughs> and then we ended up taking out Luminion to increase our chances of a turn one Maridon. And then all of a sudden that Arvin loses its, you know, turn one. And we were playing the path. Yeah. Like my original list had two Arvin mm -hmm. and then JW cut to one Arvin with a Luminion, which still made sense. Two Arvin like also kind of made sense. Yeah, just I, for agree. What it was, I agree. Because I was yeah. only playing two. I was only playing one stone in my original list. So like being able to go get the stone to go get a generator or like whatever, like seemed mm -hmm. pretty okay. And so, like, you could see how this kind of evolved. Into the, yeah. And then there was just one Arvin left. And we were like, ah, it can't hurt. <laughs> yeah, and that, I think that was our logic. Like, it, you know, it's it's good if you have it on, on the turn. But, you know, it, it reminds me a lot of when we were, in hindsight, it reminds me a lot of when we were debating, like, Avery in Whimsicott back for Indianapolis a year ago. And it's one of those cards, in my opinion, in hindsight, that, like, yeah, if you draw it, it feels good. But, like are you realistically like hitting it in the games that you need it? And I think the answer was no without Luminion. I guess, do you all agree? Like is spirit tomb the swap in your mind? Would you have played a different card instead? Yeah, it'd be, I mean, it'd be something for, for me. And I, I don't think Drapion, yeah, I don't think Drapion makes the most sense. I think spirit tomb is probably, you're trying to go for that kind of double. Uh, you know, I think the double lockdown is combo. so strong versus Mew. If yeah. you play path spirit tomb, it feels so good. Oh yeah, I mean they're they're bodied if you do that. They're <laughs> they're not having a good time. It's it's bad. Yeah. But they can't ever knock out the spirit tomb. I mean it's you know, it's it's kinda yeah. So I, I think that the spirit tomb would be a good call for sure. Yeah. But nobody wants to play the spirit tomb. Of which not. is why yeah. we didn't. And I yeah. remember even after day one, like looking at the deck, I was like, All right, we all got chewed up by Mew. What do I change about the deck to deal with Mew? And I think the consensus in our group was just like 
won't play any man. Well, and that's that the thing is like with the, with the metagame how it is, it's not worth it. Like to go on a deep run, you have to get matchup luck. Yeah, and we you just did. didn't, you know. We and it, and yeah. day one extent, was like, yeah. I mean, I think day two, right. and there was no way. Like, how are we possibly going to predict that without like just having insider trading level info? Like, how do we predict that? that Mew is going to have that big of a spike in day two, right? Like, in my opinion, it makes sense to not tech for it after day one, because you're like, it wasn't even in the top five. You know, why would I bother? I'm not teching right. for, a, like, a bottom five deck. <laughs> right. It wasn't a top five deck, right. So And then it was for yeah. day two. It's just one of those things that's like, yeah, hindsight, of course, 2020. Um, I think Rydon was ultimately, like, an excellent call, and uh, it was a really fun deck to play as well. I agree. I had a blast playing it, and that was something that I was just—I was really proud to be able to like play a deck that we came up with that I really had fun playing. That was a unique the deck, a deck that caught people off guard, and to be able to like get a finish out of it with our group. I mean, realistically, it, it is a team effort, you know. Yeah. And you know, my finish is our finish. You look at other groups, like Azul's group, all played Mew. He's the only one who did good with it, right? Uh, but his team can look at that and be like, okay, we didn't make a bad call. Like Azul did well, but like Caleb and Grant got chewed up and spit out, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. you know, and they started with the day two bump. Yeah. Yeah. Caleb told me that he has never done well in worlds and he's had day two like every year. <laughs> I don't think he has a world's finish even like really getting chewed. <laughs> awesome. out there. Well, why don't we go ahead and thank our sponsor and then in the back half we'll do a just a quick round robin of some of the highlights of each of our trips so jb you want to kick us off yeah let's do it our sponsor for today's podcast episode is manscaped we thank manscaped so much for being the presenting sponsor of tag team and they make some of the best men's grooming products on the market from the ear and nose hair trimmer to the weed whacker 4.0 they have a ton of great products that are just going to get all the little hairs out of there so you should definitely go check them out so uh, lots of great stuff lots of great stuff we love the boxers we love the uh shampoos and conditioners we love all the little trinkets and gadgets that they offer and um they really play a big role in uh making sure that we're staying fresh and on top of it for all of our travels yeah absolutely i one of my favorite parts is the fact that the uh the razors are so portable. The the beard hedger being able to like just throw that in my suitcase. It has one blade guard that you can just adjust on the blade on the like razor itself. And being able to like get a clean shave without having to bring a bunch of crap with me is so nice. <laughs> uh, so I'm personally, uh, a big fan of the lawnmower. Yeah, I use that for my uh, daily hygiene care. You know, they're so and, good uh, with a little light. You know, allowing it's you nuts. to see all the, all the, you know, the crevices, all, the, all the crevices, all the dark spaces, all the wrinkles. Yeah, yeah, it's, uh, it's really nice and uh, very helpful. So I agree. If you are interested in checking out Manscaped products, hey, we're heading into a new season. You want to be at the top of your hygiene game when you go to these tournaments, right? So you can go head on over to manscaped.com. Use code tag team at checkout. You'll get not only 20% off, but you'll get rid of that pesky shipping. Nobody wants to pay shipping in 2023. Come on. So use code tag team at checkout at manscaped.com. Get that discount and support the podcast. Thank you so much to Manscaped for their ongoing support. And thanks to you all for checking them out and making this partnership fruitful. Okay. So we're pretty deep into the cast here. So here's what I'm thinking. I think we do a round robin and each of us will share our sort of top three highlights or memories or experiences or like things that went horrible and that you just want to share <laughs> from your trip. So your big three. So I want everybody to think about their big three. Since I kind of had the idea, I was already brainstorming mine. So I will go first <laughs> as, a, good. as an extension of the olive branch here. So I'll kind of I'll be brief since I really kind of ate up a chunk. There. No worries, man. I mean, day two, top thirty two yeah, worlds, like to that's talk about right. I mean, that's like kind of the crux of like for you know, sure. our world's run is like that. So you know, that's where story time's really coming in. But yeah, Absolutely. I'll let you you guys kind of lead the narrative, and then I'll kind of like fill. I'll go last for the. Uh... Yeah, so I think in general, like the the trip was amazing. It's probably the best like vacation trip I've ever been on. I uh, being able to spend Easily. like 
two weeks in this really awesome, like different country was amazing and incredible. Uh, so like the top three is hardly reflective of the overarching experience that I had. Uh, but my number three would be just like experiencing the gaming culture in Japan. Like they have arcades and card stores on every corner, uh, especially uh, in certain districts. And like, that is so incredible to me. Like the, the fact there's such a rallying around gaming is awesome. I was able to pick up a fully Japanese copy of uh, the 2018 World's Winning Zoroark deck, and I'm so excited for that. I know, GW, you're probably a little bit jealous because <laughs> I was actually able to fully lost, assemble it. I know. I lost my days of card yeah. store hunting with the so, Typhoon. I got Zorgar fully built in Japanese now, and that's so exciting and so fun. Um, and that's something, like, you could not, like, in America, walk for, like, 10 minutes and encounter 10 card stores. <laughs> you can do that. Let alone build a retro deck yeah like what it was nuts <laughs> out of cards you find there <laughs> yeah so that was so much fun and like also just experiencing the card stores and like the culture like so many people were there and hanging out and playing together uh be it at local tournaments or just casually and i like really appreciated that it feels like there's really a community uh over in japan when it comes to like trading card games um my number two I, I want to say it's a toss-up, but what I'm going to end up landing on is we went to Team Labs, and that was, like, a really cool, like, interactive art experience. Uh, great for photo ops, and it was just a lot of fun to walk through it. Like, there's water sections, there's flowers hanging Dude, from the, the ceiling. the flower space. Yeah. Orb. It was nuts. It was that really fun. It was great. Just, like, messing around with everybody in there together. It was just, like, a lot of fun, a lot of laughs, a lot of pictures I'll look back fondly on. Mm -hmm. Um and then my number one, like far and away, is uh, Andrew and I ended up climbing Mount Fuji, and I could talk about it for like probably half an hour about like how insane that was. <laughs> but we went in with like very little plan and like got the primo Mount Fuji experience that like people plan months in advance for. <laughs> so like completely luxacked our way into like a perfect situation. We saw a rainbow. We got to stay the night. We got to see the sunrise from the top of the mountain. Uh, we even got to like have some nice conversations with some Japanese locals who were climbing the mountain with us. It was just insane. Like, and, and we also got the walking sticks that are fully like done up with the iron brands that they put on them. It's completely nuts. So fulfilling. And like the level of divine intervention that went into that experience being successful is like not it's I can't overstate it. <laughs> I'm getting chills. I'm getting chills thinking about it, man. Like yeah. it was a life changer. It, it was, was a life changing experience. It's something that I'll look back on for the rest of my life. It Absolutely. Was the perfect the perfect you know kind of like end cap to an already yeah. incredible trip and journey and just uh wow i mean amazing <laughs> yeah so that was completely nuts and definitely my my number one highlight but again overall the trip was so incredible so much fun uh and i really hope i get to go back to japan one day hopefully in the fall yes <laughs> no. i yeah i can't wait to go back but like you said i mean this was some of the worst weather that i've experienced i mean in the high 90s 100 percent humidity for two <laughs> weeks straight it's crazy man yeah it was so jw what are your what are some of your moments yeah well i mean i think just a general moment was just having time with my wife and my brother and his wife um i haven't been able to take a, a vacation with ann for basically since our honeymoon yeah so uh you know we had planned to do a little baby moon and then there was a the omicron variant uh spiked That's up right. so we were gonna yeah. go to we were gonna go to like new york we had you know kind of a week all planned out and then that all I just kind that. of fell yeah. apart and then mm. we had a baby you know so that kind of complicates things but now baby's old enough that she can go with mom and uh you know with my parents my mom and dad her grandparents so, what are their grandparent um, names have you decided yet yeah well they've decided to be grandpa and gram <laughs> uh, there's always Aww. grandpa there is always a grandpa <laughs> yeah so but there's grandpa never a Graham grandma took her. yeah exactly exactly <laughs> um and then on Anne's side it's uh uh gong gong is the grandpa yeah yeah gong Aww, gong. That's, that's cute so um so anyway so just spending time with Anne in a foreign country 
with really no like and we had saved up for this so it was like really like no holds barred on whatever we wanted to buy i was just like oh i want you know that i want that that vending machine like i'm just gonna take that oh that card <laughs> i'm just gonna buy that you know it was just like <laughs> kind of just all and the money Japan is saved so time. good for that yeah japan is amazing for that there's so <laughs> many little you, trinkets there's so like, many ways you know, shiny things so many ways that... to spend an incremental amount of money that adds up quickly <laughs> well and the dollar goes so far there it's right now so yeah. good so yeah. like you didn't even feel any guilt about buying any little thing you wanted <laughs> no nope. and then it turns out you bought like 200 little things <laughs> <laughs> And then I would say uh, secondary, uh, you know, thing that I really enjoyed was we stayed at a uh, at a ryokan, which is mm. a traditional Japanese hotel where you sleep on the you know on the mats yeah, yeah. on the floor, and you have the little slidey doors, and it's just very uh, plain but very simple and um, you know beautiful in that way. And they also had at this hotel a an onsen which is a hot spring. And so it was water that was heated by, you know, the thermal energy of Japan or whatever, by the earth. And so we would go down and soak once or twice a day so in the nice. hot springs. And yeah, oh man, it, that was just like really relaxing. And then I would say as a third highlight, um, I mean, man, it, like I really, it's just like so hard to narrow down to three, but um, you know, just going to see all the temples. I did, um, a, you know, a few, went to a few temples in, uh, Tokyo and Kyoto. And then, uh, in Yokohama, got to spend some time in a, in a Japanese garden and just walk around. And there's like a nice little pagoda and some different, um, buildings and things. So it's just kind of fun to see the architecture and the, the culture of the people. I just really enjoyed that. For me, Riley and I spent the second week together because uh, we were staying in the same uh, the same Airbnb. So we did a lot of the same stuff, and I really love Team Labs. And I, uh, you know, Mount Fuji was like life changing experience. Best thing that I did in Japan by far, climb Mount Fuji. I mean, it was it was phenomenal. So that's my number one. But other things that I really enjoyed the Airbnb that we stayed in was right next to a little ramen restaurant that we could walk to. It was open till 5 a.m. Uh, I also walked to a little uh, bar and cafe that was like record themed that I got to grab a drink with with my dad um, the night before we left. That was really cute and fun. And he had like turntables set up and, you know, a projector playing in the background with various like <laughs> Japanese videos and you know he'd stick the record up that he was playing in like a little stand so you could see what music was playing it, it was super rad like that was cool we had a very nice Indian restaurant right next to our Airbnb that we you know that just served yeah, up like that whole area was awesome excellent food it was really cute it was fun it was cool and uh so I really liked the place that we stayed um week two it was awesome getting to just ride around the public transit, getting yep. to ride the train everywhere, yeah. getting to walk places meaningfully. That was some of my favorite part about the trip. The convenience store culture. Oh, God. Oh, I love it. It's <laughs> so good. Dreams. Family marts and 7-Elevens everywhere. Uh, yeah, just a dream when it comes to convenience stores. It feels like Japan really has the convenience store. Uh, figured out and then getting to just spend time with my family my family and I my family and I all lived in Japan um, when I was in kindergarten in first grade so I lived in Japan for three years when I was just a kid my dad was stationed there in the navy and I haven't been back since so this was the first time I returned to Japan after 27 years and getting to spend some of that time with my family who also hadn't been back to Japan in that time was really special. So getting to just romp around places that, you know, we had been when I was a kid, we went to show a park one day. I got to see some things that I remembered from when I was in first grade. Like that's it. It was really magical. And that is uh, some of the stuff that I had the most fun doing. The food was great. The experience was amazing. All in all, uh, really hoping that I can go back one day. Yeah. And I, I think I, I just plan to. I'm going to have to go back. 
So I agree. In the fall. In the fall. <laughs> but that place will bring me back. Well, yeah. I, th- I mean, I mean, now Japan has to be in the rotation, right? Like this is kind of what I'm thinking. Like mm-hmm. they're they're, they're going to go back. I mean, that was it was a f- great location. Like I just want to hype up Yokohama for a second. Yeah. Like it was it was a Western city in that little kind of port area. Uh, like very much like what you would think of as like an American city, right? Like I, I felt kind of almost no difference other than, of course, they're speaking Japanese everywhere, right? But then you go a few streets down and you're into this, you know, really like the narrow, uh, the narrow streets and the little, you know, tiny little shops and uh, tiny little restaurants and things like very much what you would think of like as a classical Japanese experience. I thought it was just a fantastic location for this world. And I, I didn't really know any, you know, know anything different going in, right? I'm like, the only places I really know are maybe Tokyo and Hiroshima, I guess. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> sort of a, a final highlight towards Yokohama for me as well is, and also just Japan in general is, and I've been telling this to, to people like who don't play Pokemon is, you know, you go to a Pokemon world championship in 2018 in Nashville and the Pokemon world championship lives and dies in that convention center, right? Mm -hmm. Like you leave that center and nobody knows that the Pokemon world championship is happening there. Uh, Completely different vibe in in Japan. Like Yokohama was completely done up. There were decals everywhere. There were events every single day and night. Uh, There were train station stamps like all across like the broader, uh, like Eastern Japan area. and I was getting at a point to that riding the train with the competitor shirt. I could see like people like chatting it up, you know. Oh yeah, about we, it. We wore the competitor like, oh, yeah, shirt. He's in the event. Yeah, yeah, he's yeah. in the event. You're like, whoa, he's got a Pikachu, you know? Like, yeah, we wore the competitor shirts on the hike because it was like a nice like, uh, like Jersey polyester kinda. sort of material. Yeah. Uh, and multiple times people asked about it and like were curious about like the competition and stuff like that just like a very different experience than i've had in the states and like i feel like even london was a big step up i feel like from the states in terms of how much they did up the outside the tournament experience and this was like 10 steps above that uh just completely awesome and it it really made me feel like a part of something bigger as a player uh, in a way that was really satisfying and cool the only point of comparison, if you're an American listener or maybe even a European listener, is that like the way a city turns up for a sporting event, like yeah. a big football game or, you know, a big European football game, you know, whatever. OK, that's the only point of comparison. Everybody's, you know, I, I saw people with little Pikachu visors on all over the town. I mean, just like little kids everywhere yeah. was repping Pikachu. There's giant Pikachu stuff wherever you look. There's Pokemon stuff around every single corner the buses got pokemon on them the, the ferris wheel had pokemon on it the hotels got pokemon on it the entire city turned up for this event there was yeah. giant uh drone shows drone light shows in the night sky i mean just absolutely mind-blowing stuff it was a celebration like nothing i had ever experienced tpci and the pokemon company knocked this out of the park yeah incredible experience all around i'm sure all of us have plenty that we could say ad nauseum about how much fun it was and and all the cool things we did in and outside the context of pokemon um so you know shout out to pokemon company and and tpci for putting that together and, and making it really special and i'm looking forward to the next season so with that i think we'll wrap up for today look ahead to next week where we'll do our end of season recap, talk about some of the high and low points from the season at large and look forward to Andrew joining us as a a regular co-host of the tag team podcast. And I think this is a perfect use of the soundboard. Absolutely. Well, some, (laughs) baby, some tag teams have two other tag teams have three. That's right. We've evolved from Pikachu and Zekrom into Arceus, Dialga, and Palkia. <laughs> or Zapdos, Moltres, and Articuno <laughs> That's GX. Right. Yes. That's right. Yes. <laughs> We're a three-piece tag team now, baby. Let's go. We're so excited right. to have Andrew. I know yeah. all you will be excited as well. Uh, so be sure to listen in and check out us our next season as we head on the road to Hawaii next year. 
So I think that about covers it. Did I miss anything? We're good from my end. Yeah, thank you guys all so much for listening. If you want to get in on the action, you can go follow us on social medias. So we have at Smiles with Riles, at Enjoy Friend, and at Real John Walter over on the X app, formerly known as Twitter. Don't call it X, please. <laughs> the X app. I can't call it X, bro. Also on the X app. Oh, you can oh find no, no. The podcast at tag team pokemon we also stream these uh podcasts live every single week over on twitch.tv slash munner there might be a little bit of a switch up there in the near future also at twitch.tv slash flex daddy righteous is my channel and twitch.tv slash tricky gym for andrew awesome thank you all so much for listening we appreciate your ongoing support and we'll catch you next time peace